Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. There's a traditional, obvious interpretation for this parable. If you pray a lot and you pray correctly, God will listen. If you can't get what you want and need, it's because you haven't prayed long enough or correctly enough. The judge is a representative in the story of God. God, the, the judge neither fears God nor people. Separated out from the world, just as God is. It's clear. God is not influenced by the world around. God is the influencer. Totally independent of the world. And we are the widow. We must pray and not give up. And in fact, the gospel writer prefaces this story with those words about a story about praying. And, but unlike the judge who acts slowly and grudgingly, he gives justice, but only just. God acts quickly. And then the last verse, will God, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Is that strong sense that, well, even though this is what we have to do, maybe we won't do it. Or maybe we won't do it long enough, or maybe we won't do it correctly enough, or maybe we won't do it courageously enough, and God won't act. It kind of fits, but you're left with the problem. 
that it's all down to your hard work, my hard work, how much I pray, how truly faithful I am, how much I really believe. And when what I want to have happen doesn't happen, it's because of my lack of faith. And maybe that's fine if what I want is a new car or a parking spot. But what if what I want is the end to a drought or healing for a small boy with cancer with a prognosis that he won't live another year? What if that's what I want? How much do I have to pray? What kind of prayers do I have to say? And how many people have done this over and over and over? Is God not listening? Is God playing games? The universe is some kind of an experiment. If you read um, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the entire universe is an experiment put together by the mice to see what we would do. Is that what God's doing? Could God bring rain to the drought-stricken areas of Australia but chooses not to? And why does God choose not to? You see where it leads us to? It leads us to a God who is either playing with us or doesn't care. We're either toys, an experiment, or just of no interest. Cornel West, an um, African-American theologian, said, justice is what love looks like in public. Justice is what love looks like in public. So if there's no justice... Does this mean God doesn't love us? Or does he only love the ones of us who manage to pray the right way and for long enough? Well, uh, you know, we, we, can't, we can't live with a God like that. That's shocking and despicable. How many people incarcerated in the camps in the Second World War prayed to God and nothing happened except that it got worse and worse and worse until it was revealed to the world and good, ordinary people couldn't believe the camps were real. And we still have people unwilling to believe that that level of horror could be inflicted on the world, one human to another. And God did nothing. Let's try another way of reading this. Remember, this is the Gospel of Luke, the upside-down Gospel, the one where everything seems to be one way, but Jesus seems to be talking a completely different way. What if instead of God being the judge, good or bad, quick for justice or slow, what if God was the widow? Think about this for a minute. First of all, there's a huge contrast. When Jesus wants to tell a story and, he's, and he uses the judge and the widow, he's using two people at extreme ends of the power spectrum. A judge has all authority, can do whatever the judge wants to do, clearly in this case, not give justice to a widow. 
and a widow is at the other end who actually isn't legally allowed to approach the judge. She has no legal standing in the judicial system. She has to, if she's going to be represented at all, has to be represented by a man. The fact that she's coming to the judge by herself proves in the story that she is about as far down this end as you can go and the judge is as far up this end. It's a story of extraordinary contrasts. You would have to write your own story for today as to whether the person at one end might be the person we often call the most powerful individual in the world, the President of the United States, and somebody not even on Newstart because they're a refugee in Australia who've been refused the opportunity to work, refused the opportunity to have Newstart, refused the opportunity to access Medicare. And we see people like that every day here. That would be two extremes. But you have to work it out for yourself. It's a story of extremes. So what does God do in this moment of extreme injustice? Two people at extreme ends of the system. Well, we've got a whole set of books about it that we've collected together and called the Bible. All the way through what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, God sends prophets to speak words of truth to power, to demand justice for everyone to demand that the widow and the orphan be brought into the community of the people, to call for vindication for those who've been treated unjustly, over and over again, that, all the way through the story of the Jews, the story that we have taken on as Christians. And they're mostly ignored, silenced, killed. And then God sends another We've got these stories. We had a couple of weeks ago the story of Lazarus and the poor man at his gate. Uh, sorry, the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man at his gate. One goes to Hades, one goes to be in the bosom of Abraham, the poor man, and the rich man says, send Lazarus to tell my brothers. What if somebody came back from the dead? Send that person to tell my brothers. It's the same story over and over again. There's another story that Jesus tells where there's a, a, a property owner who wants to get his rent paid. He's an absent property owner and the people won't pay the rent so he sends a, a, um, an official. They kill the official. He sends another one. They abuse him and kill him. So he sends his own son. Surely, he says, this will be respected. They will realise the situation and do the right thing. Our whole New Testament tells that story, doesn't it? The power of God is not in lightning bolts and in telling you to do this and you to do that. The power of God in this story and all the way through the scriptures, and in fact in the very life of Jesus, is a different kind of power. It's the power of the widow of persistence. It is God saying over and over again, through the community of people, through humanity, there is a way of living justly, and there is a way of living in horror, and you can choose. And you must choose justice. You must choose what love looks like in public. That is the only way to be human. And keep on saying it. 
and keep on telling it. Justice is what love looks like in public. God, not the all-powerful, do whatever God wants, whenever God wants to do it. God is not that God, not in these stories. We have to rethink, we have to turn upside down our experience and our understanding. God is the one who is alongside God is the one calling out for justice, even in the face of injustice, even in the face of the horrors of the 20th century, which have in many places bled into the 21st century. Even in the face of all those horrors, God is still alongside calling for justice, not through power, but through powerlessness. This helps us then make sense of these last verses that seem to be tacked on. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? Another way we could look at that word grant, will not God grant justice is, will not God defend justice? Will not God, in a sense, be alongside? Stand there and say, this is unjust. This is unjust. This is wrong. And we will just keep on saying it as our church, the Uniting Church, keeps on doing about our treatment of refugee and asylum seekers. Has the government listened one whit to the ongoing statements that our church has made on our behalf, uh, representations to government committees, representations to Senate reviews, representations via letter uh, and protest to the Prime Minister and the Minister of Immigration? Not much. In fact, we've got the government trying to reverse some good things that have been done at this very moment in the in the, this current session of parliament but the church's job and the work of god is not the power it's the story of persistence and perseverance will god not come alongside defend justice will god delay long no Because in every moment, this story says God is alongside us. Does that mean we'll get justice? Probably not. At least not quickly. At least not the way we want it to be. At least not that stops the suffering and the pain of ourselves and the people we know and love, let alone the people we read about in the newspaper, the Kurds in northern Syria, just as one small example from this week. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find people calling for justice, requiring justice, seeking it, longing for it, being a community of people who sing about it? We just sang a beautiful Shirley Murray hymn about justice. We need to keep singing those hymns for a long, long time. We've been doing it for 2,000 years, not always well. Sometimes we've done it incredibly badly. The church has a colossally bad history in so many places and ways. But within that, we've sung these songs over and over again. That's the coming alongside. That's the power of the widow. That's the power of persistence. Will the Son of Man come and find those 
who trust and speak for justice and experience that, that persistence, not as individuals because we can't do it, but as a community. I didn't write to the last Senate submission on behalf of the United Church. Somebody who I am a part of, the community did, on our behalf, on my behalf. We do it as a community. All right, let's stop. Yeah. So be it.